2: People turn to the Weather Channel app for their weather forecasts every day. But what if the app could forecast more? Like allergy risk trackers and real-time rain alerts, so you know when to stay inside, load up on tissues and podcasts. And 24-hour future radar, so you can plan to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcasts. Do more of what you love. Don't just check the weather. Embrace it with the Weather Channel.
0: Welcome back into another edition of the kickabout here on the Blue Room. I am your host, Rob Vera, joined by my co-host Mark Mosey. And weird Mark, I guess I'm saying welcome back in, like it's just a normal thing. But it's like welcome back to a one-off Christmas special, a one-off reunion. <laughs> <laughs> kick, kick about uh not that this will be the final time we ever do this but i also don't like to make promises i'm I'm really comfortable right now with all this non-committal uh the, the non-committal uh, stance that we've we've kind of adopted at this point in terms of kick about
2: <laughs> it,
0: it gave me all the
2: chills to hear you say that again <laughs> i don't <laughs> think I- <laughs> I think I totally, totally appreciated how much I've missed you saying those words until you said them. But, wow, yeah, it's, uh, it, it feels it feels apt at the moment, doesn't it, to kind of reconvene? Because, I mean, let, let's not forget that the last time that we did a kick about Everton were, were fairly okay. Um, I, I don't think it's any coincidence at all that the part abandoning of the show coincided with Everton's massive decrease in form. I think, you know what? We, we are with you, Everton fans. We are here for the lads. Some of us go to Finch Farm and greet the bus. Some of us do podcasts that change the entire nature and the mindset of the players. And, you know, hello, Everton players. I know you've <laughs> missed us. Uh, we are now back for you. Um, but, yeah, a, a lot has happened, Rob. I've, I've, I've felt many things in the, what is it, couple of months since we, since we officially sat down and,
0: and chatted, but... I, mean, um, I don't think we've done this January, Mark. I think it's yeah, been, or I maybe know. maybe December. Actually, I don't know that we've done this since December.
2: I've I've felt so many things in the last four days. Never mind in the last <laughs> four months or whatever it's been. And I don't know. I, th- I think both of us just felt that it was it was probably time that we we actually had a big chat about how traumatic the yeah. the last few months has been. How how incredible the last few days has been. And you know as much as it could have been better as as we speak now the day after the Watford game i think every one of us at some point in our recent lives over the last few weeks would have taken how we all woke up this morning in the assured nature that we have that everton might just do this thing and stay in the premier league
0: yeah well i think the only thing i would probably push back on a little is that i part of the reason that it made sense for me to stop doing kickabout every week as well. You know, obviously Everton's form didn't help uh, the the cause or the argument much, but uh, as I said before, and and you know, you know, you know more of the details, Mark, but I've had a lot of life stuff uh, happening. I think you and I both have had a lot um, in terms of changes in work and, and other things that have, have made, Sometimes you have to make uh, decisions about where your your hobbies fall in the uh, in the greater scheme of 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 your of the time the available time that you've got, and so I don't want to think I I don't want uh, people to get the mistaken impression that we're just front runners, Mark, because now that Everton are are clearly in the uh, you know. One of what the best teams in the league now with this amazing, blazing form that they're in, uh, that that we're just suddenly excited. But, uh, no, I, you know, it's funny. You're, I feel like this last week, um, you know, I know, and and I want to go on to talk about you were at the, the, Gosh, Mark, you were at the Leicester game away, Leicester. right? Yeah, yeah. And I know, mm-hmm. I believe you were at the Chelsea home, the game at Dickerson yeah, yeah, yeah. for Chelsea. And so, mm-hmm. the 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 fans have certainly uh, taken things up a, a notch. Uh, mm-hmm. And I want to talk about some of those dynamics for sure. And and that may actually be where we start because I, I think that to your point about. About how long, how much has happened, uh, and how long it's all felt. This season in particular has felt like three years to me. I, yeah. I and, and that's and that's the first time I'm saying something like that. And it has nothing to do with COVID. It's just it literally is just the slog of 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 a season when when you're having a great season, it seems to probably fly by fast, and when you're having a horrible season, it, it's really slow. Yeah. But there is some kind of i don't know quickening or whatever you want to call it that has happened over the last you know i don't know month and a half or so because i i don't know that i have felt this connected to everton football club in several years mark and 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 it's certainly not because we have a great team but it's because we've been faced not just in the way that we've talked about it over the last several years of like, oh, you know, we're, you know, we got to be careful or we might get, you know, into a relegation fight. And we we would never end up getting really that close, even in the, the Sam Allardyce season. I, I mean, yeah. it never quite turned into what this season turned into. Like, I think that there is something to that idea that. When you suddenly are having to fight for your life, um, you know, and that's not just in sport, that's just in general., uh, y- you begin to appreciate that life a lot more when you have to fight for it. and and fundamentally, part of that is having to make the decision that this is something worth fighting for. And for all of the gallows humor about, oh, if we get relegated, whatever, and, uh, you know, I'm so tired of Everton and I hate Everton, I hate these players and I hate whatever. all, all the things that we say, um, that feel true, but also aren't actually true, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. I think that the thing I've been most impressed with, Mark, and I, I want your thoughts on, on this too. Like, I think that there's this temptation or maybe not even a temptation, but there's this characterization when uh, the, the media has started to take notice, especially of the particular dynamics of, of the Everton fan base over the last several weeks. You know, everything from the fans... Just being in boisterous voice everywhere to showing up in droves uh, to greet the buses, uh, to to greet the buses, leaving Finch Farm before uh, a game away at Watford. If you told me that was going to happen, I never would have would have believed you. I think that there is a temptation to think that, well, you know, this this was always there. And it was just, you know, now the Everton fans decided that now was the time to press that button and, and, and create, um, and create an, an environment. And, and on the one hand, it's true. Like we do have for, for all of the things about our football club that are subpar in terms of the performance, um, and I get I'm biased or whatever, but there just aren't a lot of other clubs that are even close to the same level in terms of not only traditional, but ongoing fan support and engagement Um, and that volume and that pressure, while it can be a bad thing can also be in times like this, a good thing. I think we should probably acknowledge Mark that, this is a fan base that has been very, very fractured, uh, yeah. not only over the last several seasons, but even this season. Uh, we, we joke all the time about the podcast wars, the so, the, the Everton Twitter beefs, all of those things. <laughs> Tell me your impressions, Mark, because you've been living inside of it, really, in terms of yeah. living inside the, the fan reaction uh, at Goodison, away from Goodison lately, but... It almost feels like, and I commented on this on Twitter not too long ago, that it's almost like this unspoken thing that's happened amongst our fans, which is we can, we can address the fights and the pettiness and the, the things we don't like about one another later. Right yeah. now, all that matters is Everton surviving. Is that, is that the impression that you've sort of gotten in terms of how this, this fan base has suddenly congealed into a unified force? Yeah, very organic, as
2: you say. It's there, there was no spoken moment where we all sat round and thought, "Well, the, this and this have to happen in order for for the form to improve." You know, I, I don't think Everton as a club are daft. They they understand what they have in us. They they understand how to utilise it, and that they, they've absolutely done that in in recent weeks. Um, you know. Whatever they've been able to do, going way back to Crystal Palace in terms of you know trying to trying to fund Everton fans or organise fans getting down to to the FA Cup quarter final, right up to champion their every move and every noise that is made in in pretty much every game at the moment, and it's it's even more impressive, I would say, Rob, because I think it. I mean, none of us will ever forget why we are here, and. You know, to an extent, it's important that we don't do that. But we, we've almost got to the point where all of the negative narrative and all of the things that happened earlier in the season have been totally brushed aside. You know, I when was the last time any of us thought roundly about Rafael Benitez or Marcel Brands? You know, it, it almost seems... Yeah, not thought, much. right there for what you've said about how time has kind of just totally altered and the season's been so fractured in terms of being broken up into what feels like a million different segments. But I think we're all collectively agreed in that the latest one has just been something else. Um, I I said the words to Matt Jones the other night while we were watching the Watford game. I am not ready for this to end. I mean, we are 16th in the Premier League table and I am devastated currently that this season's going to finish in three games' time. Really? You ever to, you know, we, we've all been there this season, whereby we're all ready to just, you know, pull the plug on the entire thing, stay up on goal difference, put goals scored, whatever it is, just survive. And, and it, it doesn't feel like, you know, watching Everton at Chelsea, watching them at Leicester. It, it didn't feel like a sole survival mission. It, it was actually enjoyable. Leicester, maybe not so much because, you know, Everton on the road is is debatably <laughs> enjoyable at the best of times. But yeah. Chelsea was just like a football match in isolation. It, it's like for, for the two hours that that game existed for, everyone totally left all of their football baggage, life baggage, whatever mm-hmm. it was, on Goodison Road or at the turnstile, and the only thing that mattered was those ninety minutes. Not necessarily what had gone before it, not what we needed to gain out of that game, or what had to come in re- in, in the games to follow. It, it solely existed as go and enjoy your football club, and and that obviously mm. resonated with the with the players that were there. I mean, the, the pre-game and the moment where the moment where Zegars kicked in against Chelsea. Will will genuinely live with me for a long, long time. That that game, th- th- this season will reflect ultimately as very forgettable. And you know we've had some great times in recent weeks, but I, I guarantee, at the point of getting back to mid-table mediocrity and the occasional cup run, we'll discard this season as just one of those things that happened. Hopefully, but. That game is is genuinely in my top five football matches at Goodison Park ever. It was just, I mean, people will have seen many videos. One of them was Damari Gray winning a throw in in front of the Bullens Road, and it got the most enormous cheer. And I know that that will come for, you know, humorous scrutiny from other fans of of other football teams, but it, it felt as though the the forty thousand people inside the stadium just absolutely lived every kick of the ball. You know mm-hmm. the, the moment we scored through Richarlison, the fact that it was Richarlison, um, smoke bombs on the pitch, smoke bombs all over Goodison Road beforehand. It was just wild. And honestly, try, I think trying to trying to engage football fans when your club is not performing well I, is is difficult at the best of times. We've seen that in in recent games, and I think that. The one thing that's really resonated with me in the last couple of games, and, and in particular in, in Leeds' midweek game, and you know, Rob, I'm sure you saw Leeds' team coach arrived at the game to uh, a, a relatively modest
0: number of people. Uh, that That's just a small... It drives me out. a little bit, honestly, just because Leeds are a big... I mean, they're, they're a historical big club too, and I, I I'm I think their fans are just... I think that, they, that this has happened so late, and I think it feels like they are... They've lost some, lost the faith in this at this point.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the one, the one good thing about Everton's poor form and kind of near collapse this season is that we did it early enough to give ourselves a little bit of a chance of digging our <laughs> way out of it. And yeah, Leeds hopefully look as though they're not going to be able to do that. But yeah, I think when when you compare, you know,
0: annoyingly, we've had to watch quite a lot of Burnley games. Oh. In pre- um, I never want to watch this much Burnley or Leeds ever again. Leeds at least is somewhat entertaining because it's like a the way that like a uh uh, a fiery car crash in, a, yes. in a, an F1 race would probably be entertaining. But, but but Burnley, my God, I never want to watch this much Burnley every again. I think I, I want Burnley to get
2: relegated more than I want Everton to survive. Um, And that's, that's how <laughs> i am going into the last few games. Um, yeah.
0: If it was up to me, I'd have Burnley down and Leeds stay up just because okay, I yeah. somehow manufactured via watching... Burnley, an intense hatred for Burnley, a team yeah. that I never even had space for in my brain before the last you know couple months. But yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: but, but when when you watch those games, and you know, in particular the Everton game, but I think was it Southampton they played after us. Um, I've watched Leeds in recent weeks as well. It's going to sound incredibly disrespectful for those teams and, and honestly I don't really care that much because when you watch Everton games it's so different. The, the sense of purpose and meaning to the team, all the coaching staff, you know, obviously the fans, don't get me wrong, there'll be Burnley fans and Leeds fans and everyone associated with those clubs who are desperate for them to survive but mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't bottle what this football club and what this kind of mini element of society that is Everton has been like for the, the last few months. And you know, I'm just glad that there is a positive element to this because there's been a there's been a lot of toxicity and a lot of negative press, and and rightly so because we've been generally terrible at the sport. But what we've been able to do from from a people point of view in in the last few weeks has been has been crazy. You know, I, I obviously mentioned that. The Chelsea game where there's plenty of us, but the 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 Leicester game, I, the only the only thing I can kind of relate it to from a a tangible sense of emotion in the stands was going back to '98 when even when you turned up at, at Goodison Park when we played that final game against Coventry, you, you could sense the emotion in the stands before the referee had even blown the whistle. I mean, I, I remember turning up to that game in the park end. Granted, only as a 11 year old child, but there was people crying in the sands before the game because everyone was aware about how important not only the next 90 minutes was to their football team for that particular season, but how much of an impact this has on your life. And you know, p- people who aren't as engaged as us, Rob, can can laugh at that and say, "Well, that that's a little bit sad." And do you know what? Yeah. I, I might look back as an 80 year old man and think, "Yeah, you were right." But the that that feeling that was in you know in the concourse at Leicester before the game, getting up to your seat, obviously when we were able to score and ultimately hold on to a result, it it's impossible to, to describe that even to other football fans who don't quite have the sense of importance and the sense of history that Everton had. And we we've said in recent times, is that misplaced? It it, it may well be because this is a sixteenth place team in, in the Premier League and we, we can't really propel ourselves or put ourselves on much more of a pedestal than we have in the past because we're just not playing well enough to do that at the moment. But mm-hmm. from a from a connectivity point of view, as you said, between the you know, whether it's three thousand, forty thousand, or millions of Evertonians globally, I think we're all just ready to just be really proud of ourselves. And um, mm-hmm. you know, we hope <clears throat> we'll get the opportunity to do that on Sunday because all being well, it could be the point where, where we actually start to have fun in our lives again. But we we've done this. We we've been an enormous part of this. And as much of the players have reciprocated, I think we can all collectively say now that if we weren't the Everton fans that we were, we would absolutely not be in the situation that we've we've been able to manifest for ourselves. Yeah, I
0: I <laughs> it's funny how there are certain things about the way in which you analyze Sport And in particular situations like these, I mean, I I can't, I can't scientifically prove what you've just said, but I know it's true. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like I, and and I want to go back to something you said before we go on to talk about what is ahead. Because I think what's ahead is is important um, to to discuss, obviously in terms of clinching scenarios, if you will, but also within the frame within the context of, of last night against Watford. But you you mentioned, Mark, that um, you know you actually kind of felt like you didn't want the season to necessarily end which is such an a, a, so opposite to how we we typically feel this time of year I, I think that probably goes back to what we started with which is that until you have that near-death experience you don't truly value life but then at that point after the near-death experience you're uh you're base jumping you're jumping out of airplanes you're uh you know you're climbing mount everest you're you're suddenly you you feel alive um whereas i i think i'm still trying to and and by the way i i know that that that's true because i i think i have enjoyed it's weird because like there's so much cognitive dissonance here. Like we're not a very good football team. Like there's a reason we're in 16th place. You know what I mean? Like that, that's fairly obvious. Uh, We're at 16th, right? Is that where we're at right now? So that's fairly obvious. Um, The, (laughs) it kind of goes without saying that when you support a team, that's not very good, that that's not a very enjoyable experience. And yet this is the dark magic of the whole promotion relegation thing, uh, which is that um, if we were twelfth, re- like like let's just say we were where Southampton is or even Palace is right now, mm-hmm. um, we we'd be doing our usual podcast talking about, okay, God, just let the season end so we can you know get have a little time off before we start getting disappointed once again in the transfer business and the usual vicious cycle of of being an Everton supporter but man i i think part of the reason i felt connected beyond just this whole notion of of having survival threatened and having to really confront what it means to love this th- To love Everton and to to have that love be truly, you know, to have the existential crisis of it all manifest itself. I think that's obviously the biggest part. But I think also that I think about the times I've been in Goodison. um, uh, You know, two of those three times have been excellent. One of them was a very droll. You know, I think it was a two nil loss to United on New Year's Day. That was the first game I ever went to with you, and or first game I ever went to. Period. Uh, I know yeah. I remember being there with you, with you and Matt, and others. But um, you know, the other games I've been to, I remember feeling. Especially, I think we we won a late game against Palace that I was at with Matt, and I was set up in Gladys. Yeah. I remember how that felt. And that was just kind of a fair to spare home game against Palace, you know, back in 2018. And, and I, and now I think about how that, how intensely emotional that felt for me. And when you are like many of our listeners um, that we have in America or, or abroad, just generally watching it on TV, if you've ever been to Goodison and you've had those feelings, there is something about watching what has happened the last few weeks And your familiarity tangibly with like, I know what it's like to be in Goodison and I know what it's like to be with these people. And you truly know what it means to, to, to to the supporters when you've actually been there live. Uh, I'm not trying to shame anyone who's not been able to go over yet. I just encourage you to try to go, but I found myself intensely jealous that I was not there uh, these last few weeks. Like I, And I have not felt that. I mean, don't don't me wrong. Like I, I look forward every year, you know, bar COVID, uh, to to getting back. But but a lot of that's because I want to see my friends. I want to take a big international flight. I want to be in England. I want to eat what you guys consider to be good food. I want to do all those things. And and so that's been the the kind of the drive. But lately, it's all been about the football. Yeah. Well, it, sorry. It's all been about the football club. It's all been about living and breathing this terrifying yet exhilarating experience with Everton. That those of you who have have been fortunate enough to to not only be there but will be able to say, like, I think the one where area I might disagree with you, Mark, is like. I don't think that this season will be forgotten that quickly just because yeah. mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of people, maybe including myself and I'm sure including many others who you know are sitting in the stands at Goodison, this will be the season that reminded them what it means, why they, why they care, or even if they don't understand why they care, I don't know that I know why I care, but I just know that this was a reminder of how much I do care. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, Cautionary tales are supposed to be remembered, aren't they? I mean, this is this season was the old, to me, you know. I, I think what 94 95 is probably the closest, or maybe 03 04. Were we closer to relegation in 03 04? I can't remember. I know we finished it's right before our Cinderella run the next season to the Champions League, but yeah, it definitely didn't go around to the last day, which I, I
2: appreciate in, in kind of relatively recent times we have done, but yeah, I don't think maybe it's because. Everton aren't meant to be here at the moment, that it feels that much worse. You know, o three o four before we'd had any form of success or money, it, it probably felt that it was kind of a justified position for Everton yeah. to struggle. And, and you know, that, that obviously wasn't the case in August, but
0: but absolutely yeah. was a few weeks ago. So I, I think ultimately at the end of it, I, I, I feel... Um, I, you know, I'd, I'll, I'll be curious to see Mark how everyone feels once. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, I'm manifesting it like it's going to happen once we are mathematically safe. Um, and maybe that's the next question for you, Mark. Is that? You know, like on the one hand, you're like, I, I don't know that I want this season and this feeling and this ride that we're kind of on right now to end. It's, yeah. it's weird how, uh releg- you know, a, you know being in a relegation battle and surviving it feels like its own really sad, pathetic trophy. But yet it's a, tr- it feels like you've, but it does feel like we've accomplished something more than those seasons when we finished 10th or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's an odd feeling that doesn't really make a lot of logical sense, but I I wonder when we are mathematically safe. um, Like, I think the question that I I struggle with is, um, does this somehow, does this actually make me hopeful for the future? Or is this just a, or is this just only about this feeling now and and that we survive? Like, and Mark, I want to ask you that too. Like, I, I think where I've landed on it is that beyond the obvious reasons that survival is important. Um, I've felt like because we've done it with a new manager who uh, certainly has not been perfect, but (laughs) you know, if, if, you know, let's, you only need to compare yourself to those around you right now. I mean, uh, Frank Lampard was appointed a few weeks ahead of Jesse Marsh at Leeds and you know, for as much as Lampard definitely struggled to get results initially, um, it, it kind of is the whole, it's kind of, it's about where you, where you land, right? If anything, you, you know, you, you jokingly mentioned that that Everton uh, ha- did themselves the favor of kind of bottom, bottoming out earlier on <laughs> versus right now, like the way Leeds are. But I think that what's interesting is that it, it, it feels like at some point Leeds thought they were safe, and didn't think this was going to happen. And that's when, whereas we have been kind of aware for a little longer now that we're in the middle of this. And, you know, if we had just tried to turn up the sense of urgency, you know, <laughs> against Lester, it, it might've been too late. You know, I mean, that Chelsea game, I think changed everything. I tend to believe though, that, you know, I think that there may be something and it may be that I'm getting sucked into this idea, but For all of Lampard's, you know, he's not a perfect manager, but yet he's somehow a manager I've grown to like more than I thought I would. And I think that he I think that he speaks after matches in a way that I've wanted a manager for Everton to speak for a long time. He's. He sticks up for his team, but at the same time, he's willing to be critical of when they are, are not uh, up to snuff or, um, you know, he acknowledges a, a more nuanced approach. Yes, like last night, I, I certainly was very disappointed in, in not getting three points against a side who had not kept a clean sheet all season at home. But at the same time, he kind of put it in perspective and said, look, the performance wasn't good enough but we were also frankly a little tired yes we played a little more defensively but we have now gotten into a form and gotten this point that it puts us in this position that a few weeks ago we would have given anything for like he says all these things that you know that make sense and talk people like me off the ledge which i think is great i think i think evertonians in particular kind of need someone like that a little bit but yet i think that that balance between being dismissive uh, of uh, it's not really a problem or whatever uh, and, and actually being really engaged with the survival fight. I think Lampard has just been open and honest about all that matters is survival. They, according to some that you talk to work at the club, I mean, he and his staff are staying there all times of the night, you know? So like, I think I end up thinking that once we are safe and I believe that that will happen, hopefully this Sunday, that, I have a cautious optimism about the future from the standpoint that now this manager who has done what arguably is the hard work of connecting to this you know, this very fickle fan base Uh, he has helped us to survive. And I think that will engender some goodwill now, all the things that we kind of thought that are the features of Frank Lampard, which are one, his name, which you can laugh at that if you want, but he's, he's one of the very best players to ever play in the premier league. Um, and the fact that he seems to be truly a, a player's manager. Um, I'd like to think that now I could start to get excited about, well, what can he now build? Um, with a real commitment, um, you know, barring the very real possibility that Mishiri sticks his nose in and messes all this up. I like that, by the way, I don't know much at all about the director of football and we don't hear, we haven't, it's like that has been put to the back burner. Kevin Thielen's just kind of in his, ba- in the background, doing his work and whatever. I'm sure we'll hear more from him this summer, but The angst level has certainly been turned down. Like you said, we don't talk about Marcel Brands. We don't talk about, you know, Rafa Benitez, even that, that we will certainly want to forget. So Mark, where are you left? Uh, If we're safe, is it just all about relief? Or do you actually look at this and say, you know what? I think now that we've survived and we, we know what we could have lost and we made it through this toughest of tough times there's a platform moving forward. I mean, how do you feel about about Frank Lampard's Everton after safety
1: is achieved? Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style, not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years, with a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices? Do you really think you could stand in our way? Think again, Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
0: Based on manufacturer estimates, CY 2000 through 2021
2: sales. The one thing I would say is that, you know, obviously Frank Lampard had a pretty difficult time for the first six to eight weeks of being here, you know, in particular on the road. And, you know, arguably that continues now. But I think you could see from the kind of shoot from the hip approach that he actually didn't have an idea about what his best method of going about these games was. And I think for that reason, you know, we saw him play three at the back one week, a be at right back the next, and then, you know, go to a 4-3-3 and then try and put Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin up top together. It was just all over the place. Uh, and I think the fact that we were so inconsistent, yes, it was, it was because we were at home and, and great, and then we were terrible on the road and, you know, attitudes and moods fluctuated for that reason. But... That there was a constant fluctuation in the in the setup of the team as well. And I think, you know, he, he knows the Premier League. He, to an extent, knows Everton. And, and that will ultimately go in his favour long term, hopefully. But I don't think anyone could really know the extent of the problems that existed before they were within that bubble. and And it was obviously going to take him a degree of time. And going mm-hmm. back three to four weeks, it looks as though that time was was probably going to be played out in September in the championship, um, and I think the fact that he's been able to to accelerate that weeks and weeks
0: ahead of time has been massively to his credit. Mark, I, I want to interject with one thing really quickly. I just had this random... Uh, I just randomly re- uh, recalled that I called the new director of football, Kevin Thielen, and it's Thelwell or something. I The fact that I am... Like I think Thielen is the name of like a wide receiver in the NFL that I just randomly know from fantasy football. But I, I think the fact that I don't even know his name somehow feels like a good thing. Right exactly <laughs> is that, I think it's like Fellwell or something like that. I'm not totally sure.
2: You you matter. were making a point, Rob, cleverly that his role has been so understated and so in the background brilliant that you were able to on purpose Forget the man's name, and we we all appreciated that intentional humor. He's cleaning
0: up the under twenty three setup. That's yeah. There's 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 things happening there, but anyway, go on, Mark. Sorry, <laughs> I, I just I just felt like I was gonna have people screaming at me like, "Who is this director of football you just named?" <laughs> like I know it's I, I I I'm 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 learning. It's fine, <laughs> but I, I know that you joke about the whole cleaning up the under twenty
2: three using you know the you know the the wider setup of the football club going forward, but. Um, I, I look at the set of staff members that we've got, you know, I, I echo what you said. We know nothing about farewell, but for everything that we've seen from, from Lampard coming in and, you know, the catalogue of people that have come in on the back of him, there that, that does seem to be at least an intention of forward planning. That, that This isn't your stereotypical smash-and-grab survival mission. As much as it's had to be that at times, you know, we, we won't really know until the fourth week of September later this year when we're six weeks into a new Premier League season about whether all of the good feelings that we have right now are a fad or not and and that's just that's the nature of, of football but there is a there is a sense of building and a sense of anticipation I would say that we, we've seen enough in the last four weeks to make us think there are foundations for growth there and don't get me wrong, if anyone who watched the 90 minutes at Vicarage Road last night will know that there are equally a lot of things that need fixing if we are going to progress to the the nature of, of the football team that we want. You know, be that European qualification or, you know, title challenges, to quote Denise Barrett Baxendale, I think that that seemed that seems a long way off now. But hey, you give me twelfth next season and I'll be three <laughs> after, after this. <laughs> um, but you know, in, there's obvious on-the-ball-forcing-the-issue problems there that, that are, quite frankly, going to be re- resolved by good coaching or good recruitment. Um, Fellwell, as you said, has been brought in to solve half of that and Frank Lampard in his team to a large extent the other half. But I think that the, the, general, the general reason that we've been able to buy into Lampard and obviously the you would be forgiven now for forgetting that he was ever had an affinity to any other football club in the world because the the sense of connectivity you know all of the things that he says I, I get that he is going to say but you you can look into the eyes of a Premier League manager and in recent years Everton have had a lot a lot of them to be able to do this with and understand when there is a sense of Care and a sense of duty and a sense of responsibility about the man, and yeah. you, you,
0: it, it absolutely pours out of him. And um, you know, yeah, me and were still a- he's drank the Kool Aid, Mark. He's he's that's the thing is that for whatever you know, you can go back through the litany of managers, and guess what, even in the last few years, there's been a ton of them. Yeah. Um, I, I think what it's what strikes me about Lampard is that like. I think Marco Silva mm-hmm. cared tremendously. Yeah. I think Marco Silva was dying to get this thing right and just couldn't. I mean, it was a great opportunity. He couldn't. But in the midst of all that, he, for whatever reason, in some of its personality, it's some of it's just, it's a variety of things. He never seemed to really be able to do get that bit of connection with the fans. And maybe, and I don't know about you, Mark, like I wonder has – the fact that Everton have been threatened with relegation mm-hmm. made his job of connecting easier because we are more emotionally engaged in and, and, and charged up during this time that allows him a, maybe a better, a, a wider, a, you know, lane to be able to, you know, to kind of be in this with us, if you will. Yeah. Well, um, that, I was going to yeah. say that,
2: that kind of, I'm in this with you approach. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, as much as I expect Frank Lampard to go down that route at times, nothing of what he says, which is obviously something that you said has been, has been very positive in terms of everything verbally that has come out of him at at every stage. But I, I have not at any point listened to him and thought that was choreographed. Um, And I'm not saying that other managers previously have done that, but there's a, there's a real sense of honesty about him when he talks, Um, but you know, regardless of the situation that that is, whether he's praising players, uh, whether he's getting on their back, which, you know, has been necessary at times. But it, it, it really does feel as though that, that kind of level of understanding is there. Um, yeah. You know, you, you rightly said that I think the collective feeling towards Marco Silva now is one that he obviously cared. Um, yeah. There, there was some... The, <laughs> I'm gonna go very Bill Camright, but there were some good moments under Silver, you know, when we were able to, to put those five or six home games at the end of a season together and there was a real sense of this is going somewhere. Uh, and I think the two things that probably go in Lampard's favour there and that we've been there with Silver. We we know not to we know not to necessarily spend the entire summer Willing the football club to spend 300 million pounds in the hope that we finish fourth next season. Yeah. We are aware that that is not the, the mental approach to take. Um, but I mean, a, as with many things in football, the most important thing is probably just timing. And, you know, if, if yeah. Frank Logg came in when Silver did, it's probably a car crash. If Silver came in now trying to keep us in the league, it probably doesn't work. There, there, there were probably only One or two available managers going back months and months that would have ultimately kept us in this league, and I'll let all of you decide whether Vitor Pereira was one of them. But
0: (laughs) Roberto Martinez.
2: (laughs) Lots of occasions where Frank Lampard hasn't looked like being that guy, but probably looks like he is going to be. And you know, it's I'm I'm not going to say that you know timing doesn't mean luck. Um, this is not lucky, you know, with everything you've said there about his coaching staff staying late at Finch Farm and, you know, all of the effort that they've put in there. This is through design that, that they have manufactured this with, with obviously everything we've said about the help of, of the wider football club in order to to grant a little bit more positivity. But he, he's done things on the football pitch, don't forget that. He, he's brought out right. Woby. he stuck him at right wing back. He's championed Jordan Pickford's return to incredible form. There are footballing things that are happening here, which when you strip away all of the the personal things that we've mentioned, gives you that little bit of focus towards next season. And, you know, I, I, I go back to the point that a, a lot of work needs to be done. But I think we're all mentally, even at this stage before survival is guaranteed, we're all looking at not only the football club in a different way, but every single individual player in a different way as well. You know, th- there are players who we would have all written off three or four months ago that we're all suddenly now debating in our head whether they're worth that that crucial gold in one extra year. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, Fabian Delph, our new favourite midfielder, right? <laughs> this week's, yeah, who we've all always loved. Um, really? On the flip side of it, Rob, there, there are players there who, you know, we're not in the, the inner circle of Everton to know what every nuanced move and conversation is. But you do look at players like Deli Ali and you do look at players like, in particular, Dominic Carvert-Lewin and, you know, in particular with the latter one. If you were to take us back, I'm not even going back to when Lampard came in here, but we had an international break in February, March. Um, obviously, Carvert-Lewin wasn't involved because of prolonged injury he was coming back on the back of the international break and we all sat here and said him working with lampard for two weeks is going to be the reason that we survive and you know, oh, to, know. To, yeah. to look at to look at the player and again i'm i'm not speaking towards the character of someone who i've never met before but we we've we've seen from these footballers people who are willing to sacrifice everything for those 90 minutes and probably wider to keep this football club relevant. He's probably not one of them. He's probably one that we all say now, name your price as opposed to he's untouchable. Uh, and, you know, yeah. you call, that, call that fickle. It, it probably is, but you, you learn a lot about anything in life when it's on its arse, don't you? You know, be it job, family, friends, football, whatever it is, you, you, if you can look into the eyes of the people or the scenario that you're dealt with when it's at its absolute worst, then you learn everything. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that we've what, we've gone total 180 on some of those players that we've mentioned. But you know, we, we say about how how memorable or forgettable will the season be. I, I, I probably will forget large chunks of the season, but. I won't forget individual moments, and I, I I like to think that I won't forget individual players and and what they did for us. And you know, yeah. th- th- this summer could be horrible, Robert. It, it could see it could see someone like Richarlison getting tempted by transfers. It could see Jordan Pickford getting taken away. We 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 simply don't know. But no, I, I I think I'm I'm fairly content sitting here thinking that I'll I'll never forget some of the the goals. I'll never forget some of the saves, in particular that one at Chelsea, obviously last weekend um i think from 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 that sort of you know that the word that we've mentioned constantly is connectivity yeah they, they've kind of
0: immortalized themselves
2: for all of their
0: most depressing and wrong reasons well and that's because sometimes the most indelible mark you make uh on a on a on a club or maybe in life is sometimes your last one you know i mean i think that um it's weird like if if Richarlison goes yeah I mean, he was already going to be remembered fondly, but I want to point out to everyone that it was after. I want to remind everyone again that it was after that that humiliating, depressing Watford or not Watford Burnley game away, um, where I was convinced that that's probably Mm. (laughs) probably just about done for us. He was the one who stuck his head, you know, stuck his his nose in and just said we're going to get out of this. We're going to respond. And by God, they have. Um, I, I think that you can look at players. Um, like you said, there, there are individual performances. Like I'm, I don't think, you know, as the number one Yerry Mina fan in the world, um, you know, for as broken as his body is, I will remember his performance along with Jordan Pickford's performance against Chelsea for the rest of my life, they were they were they were exactly what was needed in the biggest game. And frankly, what we're seeing now was the turning point that that three points against them put us in this position. Uh, and then obviously followed by the momentum it was created for Leicester. Um, but on a more trending basis, if I look at if I ask myself, who are the players most responsible for saving us in the in the entire run? In I mean, it, it's it's to me the three that that immediately step step forward in my mind are Jordan Pickford, Alex Awobi, and certainly Richarlison. I think that those three have been more pivotal in our force. And don't get me wrong, I think Gordon has probably been the the best, you know, overall the season, he's got his peaks and valleys and, and I can't wait to see him continue to develop. But I'm, I'm just generally saying that, you know, you start with, with Alex Iwobi's just complete, like out of nowhere, down to 10 men goal against uh, Newcastle at home to win that. Can you imagine where we'd be right now without that win and how unlikely that was? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that these are the the stories that you'll remember and if these guys go like i think awobe will, will be with us next season but if Charleson goes pickford goes uh and again i'm not saying they will but I don't care because they've they've earned their they've earned they've paid back and then some what they needed to in terms of of, uh, you know, their their obligations to this football club. Mm-hmm. I say that as someone who, by the way, has uh, been very uh, skeptical of Jordan Pickford over the years. But he is certainly ever since he slicked that hair back and got the hair gel going, man, he is he has been, been a. <laughs> a very different player and I, I've loved it. I, I wanted to though, but you know what? I, I this is one of those, I, I want to call it a rabbit hole, but I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm just going to veer off for just a second. Calvert Lewin is the most fascinating part of this. Like you mentioned Delhi, but I like Delhi, even Lampard has consistently said, you know, he's been bought with a view towards, you know, what he can do for us in the coming season. Like they're gonna rebuild. They it sounds like they want to rebuild him as a player and all these sorts of things. But you think hey, he's even, here? what was that? Do you think, yeah, he'll, I think still- he'll I think he'll be here next season at least? Mm-hmm. But I we'll see. Um yeah. No, I actually, though, if you think about Delhi, his contributions have been very they've been brief ones, but they've they've been there like he's come off the bench and and at least been a positive influence. He had kind of that. What was the goal that he uh, that late with a late equalizer against? Was it less? Was it uh, the the Leicester home game Uh, where he came on? and, And I think he got like the. Is it the secondary assist uh, on that? Like he won a ball right on, right on the goal and yeah. just like, it, it, at least I can look at deli and say, Hey, you know, he has not been, he, he's not been, I think what we thought, but I think that he is just been in a position where with Allen and Decoré and others that, that they were just already entrenched. I can't remember, but Calvert Lewin, I, I I don't want to demonize this guy. I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to say he's suddenly a bad guy. But Mark, if you had told me, and I, I know I put this out there in the last week or so, but you know we've been talking for about you know a little less than an hour now about this this late surge that is. Potentially putting us into safety, and all of the things and the factors and the, the 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 fine margins for error that have gone into putting us in a in a clinching position here pretty soon. If you had told me that Calvert Lewin play almost no role in this, going back to what you said about we thought that those two weeks off he had with Lampard were going to be like I thought. Hey, in, if Calvert if our best players aren't scoring goals or performing for us, we're doomed. I never thought you could take Calvert Lewin's expected goals this season. That we all kind of in our heads after the last couple seasons thought, well, we're going to get at least at least twelve to fifteen goals out of him, and probably more. Um, I know he's had some injury issues, but like it's and, and and every injury is different. But it's funny how you know on the one hand we've been talking about. Uh, about uh, Fab- Fabian Delph and Yerry Mina, both of whom are perpetually injured, and yet when they have come back and they have been able to play, they have impacted the the the, the game in a really positive way. It just hasn't come together for Calvert Lewin again, has it? I the fact that Solomon Rondon, who I credit to Rondon, by the way, for finding ways to kind of meaningfully contribute even in small ways over the last, you know, couple months. But the fact that you've got that guy who in many ways is kind of done as a Premier League player being brought in to games ahead of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, an England international who has scored a bucket load of goals for us the last couple of seasons of that age who, by the way, built his entire career at Everton based on his own hard work. He's a self-made, like he's a great athlete, but not a particularly skilled striker and, and, you know, compared to some others. And yet he built himself into this really effective top level striker. His, his disappearance has been shocking to me. Mm. I, 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 and I don't know if you think that maybe that's, is that telling? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think that there are several players who probably think they'll be somewhere else next season, and yet they have found a way to meaningfully contribute when it's been when they've been called upon. Calvert Lewin has just been MIA since really what the first three games of the season, hasn't he? Yeah, and you know
2: the a skeptic of any footballer looking to leave a football club or at least open to interest in the summer would say, well, we we've all heard that the shop window approach, haven't we? To, to yeah, was actually proving that they are worth another football club taking a gamble. Rob, if you, if you read the English press over here, there isn't a football team in the top ten that isn't going to be bidding actively for Dominic Carverlone in the summer. You know
0: that yeah. that even extends right down to Newcastle. Um If Newcastle we, want to overpay for him, I'm glad to. Well. But his value's gotta be at its lowest right now, doesn't it? You know?
2: And, you know, get, getting a football team to pay for him, never mind overpay is gonna be something else now. Um and, you know yeah. he Everton have got this thing to rely on in that he's only been out of form because of injury. Um so his value yeah. is retained but it's still it's still sixty
0: five, seventy million or whatever it may be. Um But that but starts honestly- to sound but but Mark, that also starts to sound after a while like when people excused Ben Godfrey's horrible mistake against Burnley by saying, well, he had COVID earlier in the season. Like, fuck that. I'm over that. (laughs) like at a certain point, I get that Calvert-Lewin was injured and it was significant. And Mm -hmm. believe me, as a fan of, of players who deal with lots of injuries, I, I could not be more, uh, you know, uh, understanding of how these things can impact. But when you actually get back, when you're past fit to be on that bench and you're back on the pitch, like, you, know, you knock the rust off a little bit, but the, the excuses after a while, and it's not just the not scoring part, Mark. He, yeah. he doesn't look close to scoring, does he? He doesn't look close to really meaningfully contributing to the attack. No, I think
2: that's fair. And, and you know, if, if we look at some of the teams that he, ha- he has been linked with, and I think in recent times, the most, the most notable has probably been Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about a footballer having to contribute, get involved in the attack. You know, what Arsenal fan or anyone in their football club can look at him at the moment and think he's going to make the missing contribution that we have? And do you know what? The, the missing contribution for them may well be someone who has done all of the things that Calvert lewin did last season for us in terms of not necessarily being overly involved in the play, but adding that final touch. And if Arsenal want to take that gamble, then all credit to them. But Mm. I, I, for my money, he has now worked himself into, he's an August signing for Arsenal as opposed to a July one. He, mm. he will he will be the third or fourth choice when they realise that their top-level candidates are unachievable. Um, yeah. And do you know what, whether he's committed to Everton at that point or whether he's foolishly gone up the road to
0: Newcastle at that point, time will only tell, but... Doesn't he ha- almost have to like? And here's the other scenario, too. Like, is this a classic scenario where this season is so bad and such a write-off that you almost have like it, it almost would seem to be that that Calvert Lewin knows he has to build up his value to get the move yep. slash contract he wants? Isn't that better to just try to do that at Everton being yep. fully motivated next season to yep. kind of prove? Frankly, he's got a lot to make up for, right? Like, it's good for him and it's good for Everton because Everton don't want to sell him at low value necessarily either. Especially given that that won't be enough money to maybe replace mm-hmm. the, him. Is you now if they lose Richarlison, then they're they're probably sitting on quite a bit of money. But I, it's man, I I don't know. Like, if he goes to Arsenal or New, I think Newcastle becomes more likely just because they can offer him some. Crazy weekly, yeah. some and if they and and I think they would be ripe for overpayment, and I would sell them at that point. But I, 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 you know, I I think there are a few situations like this. I was talking to someone the other day about like I think we get into this whole uh, oh get rid of him, sell him, whatever kind of mode, and yet on the same, in the same breath, we're like, yeah, but we got to start making fine, smart financial decisions. We got to start doing, you know, y- you can't just sell at the absolute lowest value unless they're an albatross completely. I, I think like, you know, as much as even I, the other day was like, well, it's probably the last we've seen e- of Yerimina. Like I, I think that if he had th- I think it's, it's weird because maybe I think the fact that he still has one year and a pretty big salary left on his, on his deal, you know, we haven't been able to get rid of, of Fabian Delph or Chink Tosin for that matter, uh, or Nias on the last year, their deals like this idea that, you know, this completely damaged asset, whether it's Calvert-Lewin or Gary Meener or whatever, that some club's going to come in and give them, you know, a con- you know, give them, give us the money we need or uh, tempt them away. I, it may be a bit... M- a bit, you know, fantasy, fantastical thinking on our part. Um, with Calvert-Lewin, he's still on a pretty favorable deal with the club, I imagine. I don't think it's a money thing to get rid of him. I, I almost think that you, you just have to find a way to get him firing again uh, and and bring a really motivated Calvert-Lewin back in next season versus selling him. But I yeah. I, I don't know.
2: I think the, uh, the, the interesting thing, which I, I don't have the answer for with his contract, would be when it runs out. Um, because, you know, we, we've seen... We've seen clubs being held to ransom by by players. You know, going back in time, this used to happen with six months left on a player's contract. And now it seems as though as soon as you're in the last two years, then suddenly the player has literally all of the power. Um, We're we're probably going to see that at Liverpool this summer with people like Salah and Mane able to Mm -hmm. either manufacture moves or a lot of money for themselves.
0: But... Does Calvert Lewin the- have power in this scenario because he hasn't been productive and he hasn't been available? So I mean, it just seems like. Long-term long-term like said, how
2: how replaceable is he? From you know, not only not only a numbers point of view of getting a new number nine in, but you know, in, in order to achieve the quality that we've been teased with with Calvert Lewin, you you probably do have to go out and spend like for like and go and go and sign a. A 60 or 70 million pound striker, and then you further down the line of what 70 million pound striker wants to come and play for
0: the recently 16th place finish Everton. Yeah. Frank it's, Lampard. That's the, that's oh, the answer to your, all your questions, absolutely. right? <laughs> I, I, suppose
2: I, I get what you mean about the whole one more year approach for for Calvert Lewin. And to an extent, Richarlison has probably been doing this for a few years. Yep. In the, if I have this monumental breakthrough season i'll get the move that i want to the club of my choice and as a sweetener i'll get a great deal for it That that's dangerous for the player in one way because if you have that further one bad season if calvert loon was to do it for example and score seven goals next year and be largely injured for for long spells what's his value at the end of that season 30 million probably um and I think that, you know, the, the thing I like about that is that the players' destiny is ultimately in their own hands in that situation. We we, we have seen it with Richarlison in that the the, the, kind of, the gauntlet is laid down to the players in the situation of if you go out and perform, everyone will be happy and yeah. there'll be absolutely no resentment either way at the end of, you know, the season or whatever deal that may, may may ultimately end in a transfer away. But it. it some players respond to that. Some players respond to, to not necessarily the pressure, but that accountability that they have for themselves. And, you know, accountability, responsibility, all of these things that we say. I'm, I'm not saying that Dominic Carver-Lewin doesn't have any of that, but th- this has almost been the first mini-test of his career since properly breaking onto the scene as an established striker. This is the right. first time that he's had a, an established long injury. This is the first time he's been involved in a club who have been in really poor form and have really got their backs up against the wall. And he's been nowhere to be seen. And it, it, it's sad, Rob, because you know I, the one thing I don't want to do, in particular with this player, is constantly fluctuate in terms of my attitude towards him because I'll hold my hands up and say, prior to him actually becoming a, a notable striker for Everton, I just didn't see it working with this lad at all. And- yeah.
0: Oh, well, yeah. You and I were very much early on.
2: That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, know, we were the first in line, Rob, to eat humble pie in that situation and say yeah. he looks as though he is top level. But the one thing we can't do is give each other a call every May and and totally flip it one eighty about how we feel about about Lewin. And that that's up to him. That that's not on us. That's for him to put three or four consistent years of football into our club and say, well. There's something for you to buy into. That's why I'm an established striker, and that's why Club A or Club B are interested in me and I have to listen mm-hmm. to their offers. At the moment, well, it, it would probably be a bit a little bit sour, wouldn't it, Rob, if he was to leave this summer? That there'd be not yeah. hostility, but I think we we'd feel a, a, a lot of emptiness towards Dominic Carvalho and if he was to leave this summer. Um and you know, to echo everything we've said about Everton so far no one could have made me believe that going back five or six months. Well, and and
0: it's funny because I, I I think people need to remember, like, you know, he doesn't get to use the whole young player bit anymore. I mean, he's that a few months, way. I think he's a few months older than Richarlison, who everyone kind of considers this guy who's ready to take, you know, he could potentially take his next step. Like, and that's the funny thing about, about the eyeball test too, like, Richarlison has not had a great statistical season by the early standards he had set at, 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 at Everton, you know, in terms of goal return. Uh Richarlison at one point had a long stretch where he was injured, but boy, once he came back, he's been he's been ever present. It doesn't mean he's always scored, but the, the contribution of Richarlison this season, and especially in this run-in, is greater than the sum totals of his goal return, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, I think that people I think the bar for for Calvert Lewin coming back from an injury situation that everyone felt for him about, and and you, at, at least at first kind of bl- blamed, pointed the finger at the club's medical staff. They mishandled this. What's going on? Blah blah blah. The bar was low. If Calvert Lewin came back in, and even if he wasn't firing, uh, you know, at a, at a high return rate in terms of goals, like I think people would have said, hey. He's just come back from a big injury, but you can see the effort. Uh, you can see the way he contributes in all those other ways. I mean, shit, Calvert-Lewin built his brand when you and I especially were most skeptical, Mark, on doing all the other things but scoring. Yeah. But he's not even doing those right now. Like, and, and I think that's why he's not getting into the team. And it would be a bit, to answer your question, it would be bitter to see his arc suddenly go that direction. Now, the good thing is... I, I well or the 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 potential upside to all this before you know as as Matt Jones is throwing his phone into the river at this point because you know we're coming after his boy here is that um you know you have to kind of decide who is the real calvert lewin yeah is it is it what we're seeing right now that there may be loads of context to which we don't fully you know have you know aren't privy to. Or is the real Calvert Lewin the one of the two previous seasons, mm-hmm. you know, where he started getting that goal return and 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 he started to become the player that he that he had worked so hard to become. He's twenty five. Um, he's under contract. Um, I don't think Everton are necessarily under the same pressure to potentially sell him as they would be with if he really wanted to go. Yeah. So I think that you could you could make the argument that that Calvert-Lewin is is a bet that you you take you you say look all the the all of the the conditions are there for him to be successful next season if he's healthy um he's i mean I don't think he's going to make the world cup squad given all of this right I mean no you assume he's missed too much football let's I let's think see. he's missed too much so you don't lose him in the the that weird december schedule we're going to have next yeah. like like I wonder if you say look you know, he gets, gets his body right this summer. Uh, he records a, a load of training videos in Southern California with his shirt off and he's glistening and he's kicking balls into an empty net with no defenders around him. And we're all like, yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, Calvert Lewin's back. Uh, you know, like, Maybe he does that, and he has because of the fact that he is of this age, and this is when he should be entering his prime. And when we say prime, we always think about it in terms of his prime performance years. But remember, these players are also thinking in terms of, these are my prime earning years. Uh, Get what he wants. He should be supremely motivated. And the question becomes, does Everton want to have possession of that highly motivated player? I think so in this case. Uh, Because Everton have invested so much in terms of development with him, I think that I'd like to – I personally prefer just saying water under the bridge. Let's find a way. Now, having said that, his actions or lack of actions over the last couple months do kind of go back to that whole shop window bit, Mark. Like, Mm. Do they they seem like a player that knows he's going to get this move and is therefore protecting himself? That's what I – I don't know say I'm worried about it. I just would say that if if he believes that and he's already checked out when Everton have needed him most, then that tells you all you probably need to know about him. You know, mm. like I don't need a player to say I'm gonna be at Everton forever and I would never, you know, Everton is the greatest foot. I would never go to Barcelona, I would never go to United, I would never go to anywhere but but Everton. Like you know the, the Seamus Coleman uh, fantasy for some people is is something that they just uh, you know that they uh, that, that they base their whole life around. I get it, that's fine. But what I do want is a player who, while he is here, plays plays as a, Like even Lukaku talked a lot about going away, but when he was in the blue shirt, I you can argue he's never been better in the Premier League than he was with Everton. In fact, I don't think it's really much of an argument at all. Like. That's all I want. I don't want Calvert Lewin to say, "Hey, I care," and blah blah blah. Like, show me. If anything we've learned from Everton over the last several years is that the time for talk is over. It's about the players who, who you know, if you are going to talk, back it up, or don't talk and just play the best, play as well as you can. Like injuries, and and I will say this again: like some players are. Uh, some players don't get injured and they're physically ironmen, and you know they, they just don't have problems. Some players are injured quite a bit. Uh, injuries are something you can't really control. It's not a moral value judgment on these guys. I mean, some players have bodies that that can withstand uh, you know everything, and then there are others uh, who for whom a stiff wind will uh, you know strain their calf. Cool. And you know, I, I look, it, it's frustrating. What I want, what Everton fans demand, and what I would argue, Mark, uh, as we go into the final part of this discussion, I want to talk about Brentford to end, end things off. What Everton fans have loudly and clearly communicated to these players is that when you are on that pitch, yeah. that's when you define your identity at Everton. That is when you define and and formulate a you know get us to formulate opinions about you. I I, I think that you know, it, it's the, it's the reason probably, you know, like you can take Delph has restored some level of, of goodwill towards him uh, because while he is not everyone's favorite person and he's injured way too much, at least when it mattered most right now, he's yeah. meaningfully contributed. Uh We, we talked about your, Mina. same thing. I, no one hates him being injured as much as me, but when he's out there, Everton are good. He's good. That's that's all I want from Calvert-Lewin and it's been disappointing to say the least that we haven't had that. The fact that we are probably going to survive without Calvert-Lewin's goals if anything is a testament to Frank Lampard, you have to almost give him credit for saying so I've been, you know, when he came in, you if you had asked him when he came in, he thought, well, I can play a certain way, which was naive, of course, but I can play a certain way because I've got an an England international striker who I know is going to get better and score goals for us. I've got Richarlison. I've got, you know, all these players. And from the beginning, he has dealt with injury crises. He's dealt with players, you know, for whatever reason who aren't motivated, but it's those who have shown themselves character wise. Like I said, I go back to Pickford, Awobi and Richarlison being kind of the three headed monster of this thing. If I had told you Alex Awobi was going to be the guy whose performances, consistency and character helped carry us through this thing. It, you no one would have believed it and if you would have conversely said calvert lewin wouldn't score a goal in this run-in you wouldn't have believed that either that is how wild this season has been so mark brentford i want to talk about it because i think where what kind of stung me a little yesterday besides being you know being uh time for everton last night and being the first team wow. to show up uh show up uh away at wadford and not score a goal um i think that that point While that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I felt this sense of, you know, it's a reminder that we're in this position for a reason. We have trouble breaking teams down that are comfortable not having the ball, like all these things. And so I felt everyone has been kind of relaxed for two reasons. One because, and and we examined this a little further before we got on the call, the the mathematical aspect of this is pretty straightforward. We can clinch as soon as Sunday if we get one point more than leads get on Sunday, meaning that if, if they lose and we draw, we've clinched survival. Um, If we, uh, if they draw and we win, we clinch. Survive. Like, and you know, and we've got an extra game. We've got two home. You know, we've got that that math on our side. And the second reason, of course, is the Goodison factor. I think where I've been a little leery is that you know everyone says it's Brentford and Palace at home, and I'm like, yeah, Brentford and Palace are both ahead of us in the table, and like they're, they 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 have their shit a little more together. Now we have beaten better teams than them at home recently, so I would like to think yeah. that that is right there, you know, that's what we can kind of mentally rely upon to say we can do this. I think that there is a sense, Mark, that that is different for someone like you. And I want you to talk about this specifically. I am, as much as I am connected, I am still thousands of miles away. I am seeing a scenario where we're playing two teams ahead of us in the standings who uh, – We don't know their motivations or whatever, but we need to get, you know, we can just win the game. I think if we win on Sunday, I think we're just, we're we're pretty much done and dusted. But I, I think that I'm, that there's a part of me that's a little scared. However, before we hit record today, Mark, you, and you're not the only one I've had this conversation with, you feel pretty confident that we will win comfortably on Sunday. And boy, that's such a weird thing to say when you're talking about Everton, like, Oh, we're going to win. But, but I think that forget, forget the specifics of Brentford for a second. Mm -hmm. There just seems to be this overriding belief that Goodison and the particular dynamics that have developed over the last several weeks with this home support are going to be the thing that carry this, this club over the line you feel pretty confident about that, Mark. I'm feeling confident, more confident because you all are confident, and I'm feeling confident wow. because I look at the fact that leads are a tire fire right now, and we have our destiny in our own hands. We, we there are really two things, guys, and I, I saw this painted in black and white for me today. If the magic number is four points, if we if we get four points in these last three games, we're safe. If we yep. get on Sunday, one more point than leads get, uh, you know, on their corresponding results Sunday, we're safe because mm. of the number of games remaining, whatever. So I tend to feel pretty confident because of the odds. And I, and, you know, going from, and by the way, in the last two weeks, we've gone from 53% chance of being relegated. Uh, I think as high as 59 at one point. Now we're down to 6% according to 538, which does all the weird number crunching or whatever. Mark, we go into Brentford on Sunday, you'll be there. You've been at Goodison all, obviously all season. You've been to a lot of the away games. Um, tell me tell me your feelings about your your confidence, uh, your apparent confidence going into to Sunday and, and what it pretends for Everton.
1: With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this, but with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment
0: screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades, find new roads, Chevrolet. Yeah, we're going to smash him, Rob.
2: I'm not going to lie. I mean, Matt Jones has definitely just fell over on his run listening to this, but (laughs) everything that I've known and felt about this team for, I appreciate a short amount of time in the last four or five weeks just makes me think that that there's absolutely no way. I think we, we... the good thing we've got at the moment and the, the, the two things that combine to make me so confident are that the the level of necessity is obviously still there, um, mm. but that's, that's been combined with a lot of goodwill and a little bit of good form. I'm not saying we're in electric form here, but right. we, we, we've definitely gone over and above any expected points tally we could have had for X number of recent games. Um, I think the thing that really works in our favour, um, just, just to give people a bit of context about my life, I, I said something before we started recording to you, Robin, that my open tabs on the internet at the moment, apart from this call, are the Premier League table, Burnley fixtures, Leeds fixtures, and Southampton fixtures, uh, and I, I think I speak wholly when I say that we're all ready to to not care about any of those things ever again, but yeah. I just think that there's so much that goes in our favour here. Obviously, currently positioning. Um, I, From what I've seen of teams around us, I honestly don't think that Burnley get more than three points of their from their remaining three games. I don't think mm-hmm. that Leeds beat Brighton on Sunday. Um, Leeds have been relatively poor, leading to very poor in the last few weeks. Yeah, Burnley
0: play Spurs on Sunday who are very motivated right now to win, luckily for us. <laughs> yes, and, and you know that their
2: motivation could increase if if they get something at Arsenal tonight. Um but well, I, I honestly don't see the Brighton side that I watched against Man United last weekend losing at Ellen Road. Like, you know, I I get that trying to predict our own team is incredibly difficult, never mind others, but it, it it does seem as though everything's coming up Everton a little bit, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> a little, a li- a little bit. But I I fear even throwing that out for it you just, know I don't want to tempt the six percent gods as I call them. So yeah,
2: last last weekend in particular, even even before the Leicester game, which was obviously on the Sunday, that that Saturday was just magical. Sitting at home and watching every single fixture that could even slightly affect Everton or a team that play Leeds or Burnley in the next few weeks it just kept rolling in as the full-time yeah. whistles ended and you just thought as much as we'd like Everton to do us a, a job tomorrow that there was a certain sense for me of kind of inevitability about it and I don't know but maybe it's just you get you get feelings before certain games and Chelsea was one Man United was one and you know there's an edge of those games because of the the nature of the opposition that we're playing, and it, it just it's quintessential Everton to beat Man United at home when we really need it, and they're terrible, and it's really sunny, and Goodison's really horrible. There's just, there's something about the Everton recipe which that ticked all of the boxes for. The thing that excites me about Sunday, um, yes, Leeds are, uh, Leeds are dead bath. Um, but we, we'll know the challenge that lies ahead of us. At yeah, I um, love that. that. That is something that obviously has only changed in the last couple of weeks with that kickoff being pushed back. But, you know, pre-game and mid-game and everything about the Everton atmosphere at the moment is fantastic. But I can't even begin to imagine what Goodison Road is going to be like at half three, quarter to four if leads a two or three nil down at home to Brighton, or if you know, if the drawing the game and do look like they're gonna get over the line, that that is going to be really spine tingling stuff. Um yeah. we haven't even spoken about our own team or the opposition yet. I think I, I you know the league table ultimately does not lie, but I know that my football team is better than Brentford. And I know that we haven't showed that for last spells yeah, of this okay. season, But... We are a better football team than them. They have they have no motivation, obviously, um, and for that reason, I think we'll put a few past them, Rob. And you know, okay. I, I I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to say these things, and I'm aware that I'm not just saying this to you. But everything that I feel about Everton at the moment, yes, give. I, I know what happened last night, and I know that for some, that was that was probably more disappointing than how I'm looking at it or how Frank Lampard's looking at it. But I honestly feel that there's a chance for us to have
0: a really special day at Goodison Park on Sunday. Eight, seven, seven of nine points, Mark, feel like the bit, like we are thriving right now. <laughs> you know, like I know that it's such a mini sample, but it's not like we're basing your belief on, yes, yes. Uh, we surely will beat Brentford because even though we've lost the last few, like, the Watford thing didn't totally shake me either as my, I was disappointed cuz I thought th- they they're missing seven players like I think you can be disappointed in the result last night and also acknowledge that we have worked hard and done well to put ourselves in a good position uh going into Sunday like th- those are all multiple things can be true at once but I look at the Watford result after a night's sleep and I wake up today and I'm kind of like well look you know the same team played three days later on the road. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's, you know, there's, there was some tiredness there. They, that point was so crucial. Um, Yeah. It doesn't make it make, what it means is that the performance was, was not great, but we didn't get punished for it. You know, like as bad as we could have been, which would have been zero points in that game. I I mean, I think that, I think that that's, fine and and good and and i think to your point you can feel good about the fact that look you look at look at our squad and say i I believe they're better than brentford but in this particular case to how you pointed it out everton have everything to play for brentford do not um we're at goodison it it just it, it almost feels to that point like you know, we got to thrive to survive, man. Like I, I think that, you know, oh wait, that's, there we go. That's the title of the show. Um, I think we have to, you know, we got to do that. But I think that part of that is just, there seems this, to be this collective will amongst the fan base that mm. we're just not going to allow them to not get at least a result on yeah. there
2: is that, so, I think the, the other thing that I, I think just from the type of football team that they are, the fact that it is Brentford plays into our hands a little bit more. And the, the example I'll give you, and what I'm what I'm trying to say here is that I look at a Crystal Palace team who come up to Goodison a week today. And there's something about that team and there's something about the, the in particular the attacking players that they have that I think, well, even when they've got nothing to play for, there is a dangerous freedom about how they go about games. Um, You know, I've I've watched them at Selhurst Park recently, and I I know that results don't always go their way because they are where they are in the league table. But there is something about Eze and Zahar and all of these attacking players that they have that, quite frankly, sends chills down my spine to think that we might actually need a win against them next Thursday. Mm -hmm. On the flip side with Brentford, I think they're a, you know, I've been blessed by watching Burnley too much this season that I've not seen a great deal of Brentford. But for my money, they are a relatively mechanical, organised, you-know-what-you're-going-to-get sort of Premier League team. And when you take away that motivational element, they probably do veer into the kind of downing tools nature of a Southampton or a Leicester Mm -hmm. that we saw at the weekend where there isn't necessarily that tangible level of natural flair that scares me there's nothing about Mm -hmm. Brentford that scared me when we went to Brentford and got beat by them somehow um you know I'm, I'm not the the one thing I'd say just to just to echo what you said about Watford and you know people seem to think it's an unimaginable event that we go down to Vicarage Road and get beat having watched Everton Get oh yeah, and over against Norwich earlier
0: in the season. It's not unimaginable. It's just, it's just like if they get that result last night, yes. then Sunday is just a court, is just a celebration, you know. But it,
2: it was- maybe this, maybe in the you know the Everton universe, maybe kind of pr- probably needing to win the game suits the yeah. whole day and the whole atmosphere a little bit more. Fair. You know, nothing Fair. is more dangerous for a bad football team, which Everton have been in recent weeks. Knowing that they simply have to show up on Sunday and get a point, that 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 almost yeah. a little bit more than having to go and you know watch leads and see how they get on and then go and get a win. And I know that that really doesn't make any form of sense, but for for a team would it be that, better
0: for Leeds to get a point on Sunday so that we have to go out and try and win or like I want them to score a
2: last minute penalty equaliser just so just so that. Just so that Goodison Road is flat as hell before the game and we know we've got to go and win. Uh, No, no. But, you know, I I do think that Brighton will get something. I do think that the atmosphere will be absolutely incredible regardless. And I do think that in in every point of the season and usually towards the latter part of it, there is a moment where teams like us who, you know, understatement of the season, have not had it all our own way this year, but have certainly got players who... Have maybe not got something to prove, but they, they've probably played within themselves for one reason or another this season. You know, be that purely out of poor form or the instructions that they've been given from any one of the managers that have given them this season. That element of release that they hopefully will have, be they a goal or two up in the first half. I know I'm being overly optimistic now, but I think that that level of freedom that we've have spoken about with other teams. That we might be able to just give someone like Anthony Gordon or Damari Gray, who's just looked like a shell of the football player that he should be in recent times. If we're able to go and let these lads enjoy an hour of football, I think it could be a really special hour of Goodison Park. And, you know, I'm i I'm looking forward to it. It it I've had yeah. a lot of nerves before Everton games this season for obvious reasons, but this is one that I just can't wait to turn up for. That's
0: that is such an interesting. Uh, that's just such an interesting. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to 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 hear anyone who has gone to all these games feel this way in this moment, uh, given all of the Everton that that we've lived through. <laughs> I, I, I But but I love it. No, I I think that you're feeling. I think if you're feeling that way, that there is a, I I. I You know, we've sat here and talked about what are Brentford's motivations, uh, how good of a squad are they? They're more dangerous than, they're less dangerous than Palace, whatever. I think the best part about all this is that those sorts of things are window dressing, if you will, good window dressing, window dressing you'll take. But ultimately, the best part of this, the best news in all this is that. Unlike a couple of weeks ago, everything is now in our hands. Yes. Um, and and it's not going to require, for instance, that we have to win, you know, we have to get seven out of these last nine points to survive. Um, you know, we're in a better position than that because we did the work over these last few weeks that we needed to do. Like we are, I think that now, to your point, like we we'll, you know, Everton will know right at kickoff what they need to do like it does scare me a little bit to think that they only need a point to, to a point and then they're like all right let's just play for a point here I, I but having said that I I do I, I like does not to get too much into the weeds of the game but does Lampard persist which I didn't love last night but You know, I get it. It's You needed the point, whatever. But does he persist with five at the back uh, on Sunday? Uh, Maybe he does if if a point is all that's needed. And, you know, Everton have certainly found ways to score a little bit with this. So, you know, maybe you just do that and say, hey, this gives us the best chance to win. I I personally, and believe me, um, saying that Seamus Coleman gives me confidence at center half is not a sentence I ever thought I would say. Uh, But what I will say is that given the option give him the options of a of a back 4 that is just a center half pairing of Mason Holgate or a back 5 that is Mason Holgate Michael I'm sorry Michael Keane Mason yeah. Holgate mm-hmm. um or Michael Keane Mason Holgate and Seamus Coleman give me the latter i, I will take i'd rather just with Mikkelinko playing better um, with um you know with Iwobi We'll be finding ways to be productive uh, Mm. as a player at the right wing back position, though I know that that's not his long term, uh, you know, on based on what Lampard wants to ultimately do in the future. Uh, I would I would take, I'd still take the bet with that formation and that cast. Uh, now if you're granted, if Yerry Mina was healthy for Sunday, I'd be like, just go with, you know, go with Mina and Holgate or go with Mina and Keane and you'll probably be fine. But I think with a back five, but hell, even Mina was playing in the back five too. Like I, I think that for whatever team need at this moment, which is not great to watch, but is what we need at this moment. I'm fine with just taking whatever approach you think is necessary that we always say pragmatism is a good thing in, in certain, you know, a lot of the time, uh, pragmatism is not particularly inspirational if this is a game in, uh, you know, in October, November, but, uh, when it's, when it's with these stakes and with this particular scenario, Hey, get, get me the, get me a point. If that's all I need, get me, go out and give me three points. If that's what I need. Absolutely. Um, it seems like Lampard will, will certainly adapt. So, um, yeah, look, Mark. I if 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 nothing else, I feel better after this conversation. Okay. Uh, and and looking at the numbers uh, and looking at uh, the fixtures to go, I think we're in a good position. I think that Sunday seems like a real opportunity, regardless of what happens with Leeds. Though I, you know, if they win, obviously that'll put more pressure on. But hey, even if they win. Just all you can do is just go out and win. Beat, beat Brentford at home. I, I mean, if we can beat Chelsea at home, you can beat Brentford at home. I, I think you just you, you have to to go into that with that mentality that it's all in your hands. And um, I certainly feel better after this conversation, which uh, you know is really the whole point of Kickabout is to to make me feel good about oh. things. So I'm, I'm um, excited for the enormous
2: fallout as even Tony gets his third and people race <laughs> back home
0: to tweet us Stop. this is all Stop. I don't need that after you've just told me we're gonna thrash these guys <laughs> I, I don't need that uh yeah. though I do by the way I do like uh Ivan Tony quite a bit oh, is even or Ivan well I mean it's Kevin Phelan so you know who really cares at this stage? <laughs> fucking who cares, yeah. Well, I feel like if he's not Eastern Bloc, then it's probably like it's <laughs> English, it's even. And if he's Eastern Bloc, he's uh, Ivan. Uh, no. Uh, well, Markel, uh, just like we've wanted Everton to put in uh, you know, a full 90 minutes, look at us. We go. have just put in a, a quality uh, max effort 90 minutes here. Uh I know we don't do this. Hey guys, I know we don't do this every week anymore, but, uh, Mark and I will, I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say Mark, uh, throughout the summer, we'll probably do this a little bit here October. and there. And, and just, we I don't think we'll ever go, we'll, you know, we're not going to totally go away, but, uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you guys have enjoyed, uh, listening to your old buddies, Mark and Rob return and, uh, uh, talk about, uh, the, the dark magic that is Everton football club. um, yeah, uh, let's let's uh, let's go get it Sunday, Mark. And uh, I will probably be um, at some point. Gosh, we have two home games left. I don't know that I'll be on post match again until Arsenal, maybe. And and uh, you know, even if I'm not on that, I'm sure we'll be talking. We'll be shifting gears to transfers at some point or whatever. But um, for everyone listening, those who are going to Goodison, those who'll be watching from abroad, uh, hey, we need you this Sunday. Uh, there is the collective hive mind that comes into play here, and uh, and the football club has needed you the last few weeks. Everyone has really delivered on that. And uh, I'm certainly hopeful that, that we can do enough on Sunday. Things go right and we can uh, push this thing over the line and we can begin focusing on uh, hating Everton again like we <laughs> like we ought to, right, Mark? So uh, for, uh, for Mark Mosey, I, I'm mostly joking. For Mark Mosey uh, and myself, Rob Vera, and the entire Blue Room uh, dysfunctional family, uh, we will see you guys next time, whenever that may be, for more Kickabout. Take
1: care. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So now you know who you're talking to. Toyota Toyota. The number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. With a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices? Do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, CY2000 2000 through 2021 sales. Podcast Network.